Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. It's always a good day when the Ruthless guys are here, the hosts of the Ruthless podcast, which you absolutely need to be listening to. And they are here today for the full show. So many interesting, newsworthy, and then juicy stories to get to. Okay, here's just one. Here's just one of my favorites. Former MSNBC host Keith Olbermann this week had an insane takedown of the cable channel, his former bosses, Rachel Maddow, and her new replacement, Alex Wagner. So this is brought to my attention. I'm like, what? I might actually have to listen to Keith Olbermann, which I then did. It made my jaw drop, and we're going to get to it. Plus, one of the most popular podcasters in the country and one-time guest of the Megyn Kelly show, Sam Harris, who I really like, uh, came out with, you know, he sort of said the quiet part out loud and is getting uh, attacked for it, saying Hunter Biden could have corpses of children in his basement and Sam does not care. It would not be as bad as anything President Trump has ever done and was kind of defensive of the suppression of the New York Post report on Hunter Biden. Um, this is one of the things I actually like about Sam Harris is he just doesn't give an F. You know, he tells you how he feels and he let the fallout be whatever it is. But it, and also it's like helpful to have people who are on the left. He's not woke, but he's of the left. Uh, say what they're really feeling. So we'll play the soundbite and we'll get into it. And a new video shows Border Patrol agents calmly unlocking the gates to allow illegal migrants into this country. One after the other after the other. And so far, no explanation by Border Patrol has been provided. Southern state governors along uh, the border are outraged. We'll show it to you and talk about it. Joining me now, John Ashbrook, Michael Duncan, Josh Holmes, and the man known to his Twitter minions as comfortably smug are all here. Ruthless, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. That's great to be here. Aren't you excited about all those stories? I have such juicy ones for you guys today. I mean, it's always awesome. But yeah, that's a good lineup. (laughs) All right. um, I really there's so many that we could start with, but I kind of I didn't get to this yesterday. We had Betsy DeVos on um, and I really didn't. I want to get to Liz Cheney slash Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) 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 It's unbelievable. So like there's more reporting this morning on her concession speech or her, you know, it's not really a farewell speech. It's more like I'll see you shortly for the presidential run speech. Where do you know that that guy, James Goldston, who used to run ABC News, who has been helping her with the January 6th committee theater, um, you know, produce it and try to make everything snazzy and TV, you know, appropriate. He was there shooting her, her little concession speech, her, you know, I'll be back speech. Clearly, she really is planning some sort of a political comeback or maybe some documentary about herself that nobody wants to see. And um, in the midst of all this, maybe that's why she incorporated this reference to our 16th and you know, arguably greatest president ever. Here's the sound. And then we'll talk about it. This is SOT 3. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed. He saved our union. And he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Okay. (laughs) 
What was that doing in there? And do we really believe there's any political future for Liz Cheney? Uh, well, let's start with the obvious fact that there's never been a candidate for office in history who's had such ample time to plan a concession speech. Right? <laughs> she's had she's had months and months and months to 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 come to grips with the inevitable and getting blown out by 40, I think, may have even exceeded her expectations in that regard. Yeah. But obviously, at some point along the way, she basically just stopped campaigning. Right. I mean, she she made her entire campaign and her entire political identity about Donald Trump. Right. And so, mm -hmm. like I read in The New York Times, this piece about how uh, Hageman, who who defeated her, uh, told her staff, that, you want to just go. Let's do the bare minimum research here. Let's look on her congressional website and see how many times she's mentioned Wyoming or inflation or Biden, right? Mm. Zippo, right? It was just, it was just Trump. It was just January 6th. So, I mean, look, if you're running to try to represent people and their interests, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but the economy's not awesome, right? I got to imagine not people awesome. in Wyoming have a opinion on that. Well, the representative isn't, isn't really interested in that, apparently. She's way more interested in taking shots at Trump. She's got like a personal thing about Trump. I get it. She didn't like January 6th, but like to have been this obsessed with it for this long, given the numbers facing the economy and her hometown, like there's some sort of personal thing going on there. And then to use the dad at the last minute, like Trump's terrible. I was like, OK, she needs to move on. Uh, the country's focused on other th on other things. The only people interested in that are at the Lincoln Project, which is probably why she had that reference in her little speech. They're all they see her as the modern day Lincoln. Uh, I, but I, I think I will, it's a fitting I think it's a fitting ahead. end to to uh, the saga in that, you know, her campaign eventually just became a theater production. Like you, you were saying earlier, Megan, with the snazzy TV production of the January six hearings and, you know, they bring in the big wigs to make it snazzy and all that sort of thing. Well, you know, in television, you get to the end of season one. And, you know, some characters, they're no longer on the show. Kill off the character. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's Liz Cheney's fate. You know, they they did the focus groups. They listened to the panel and they're like, we don't really like her as a character on this. She's show not anymore. coming back for season yeah. two. <laughs> oh, contraire. Listen to what she said to the Today Show uh, when they pressed her about whether she was going to be running for president. Sophomore. Are you thinking about running for president? It, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, Savannah. I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning, but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming month. Okay. Literally, oh, other than the Lincoln Project, who would vote for Liz Cheney? Well, like, they're who? All, they're they're always going to be half a dozen people who get less than one percent in Iowa, and I guess she's going to cast her name in with that. Much, so. <laughs> is that just for this for the end of her series that she's shooting with Tom Goldston, the ABC News guy? Because I don't understand. Liz Cheney seems too smart to think in any world she's got a shot. And by the way, for what party would she be running? <laughs> well, that's a great question. That is a great question. I, I think it comes down. So there's something I always say. You can either make a point or you can make a difference. And I think she doesn't want she's not interested in making a difference. She's not concerned with the interests of the people of Wyoming. She's trying to make a point. She's like, oh, wow, democracy is going to die if, if people don't vote for me. If if people don't love me, it means democracy is dying. And this is all Trump's fault. She's done nothing to address the concerns of the people of Wyoming. This isn't about Trump. This is about her not doing her job. When you have 
what, over two thirds of voters in her own party said, we don't want you representing us. You haven't done your job. And and right now, sort of a honeymoon with the liberal media and, and sort of the establishment left. But I think what she's going to find out here over the next few months or the next year is that honeymoon phase is going to wear thin pretty quickly. Yep. I mean, you remember when Howard Schultz, the, the Starbucks yeah, yeah. CEO, was going to launch this independent bid and everyone was super excited right at the beginning. And then the entire Democrat Party was like, hey, actually, no, don't don't do that because uh, you're going to siphon away votes from us. And I think this whole honeymoon is going to end real quick. Yeah. No question it's, about it. It's over whether she knows it or not. However, um, it's not necessarily over for She's a Republican, but I mean, let's face it, she's sounded an awful lot like a Democrat on anything related to Trump in the past two years. Um, it's not necessarily over for Democrats who want to take over the Senate or keep control of the Senate. Interesting news at a Cook political report today saying in early May, we predicted the Republicans had odds of 60 percent of flipping the Senate uh, to their favor. They, they predicted they could gain as many as four seats, which would do it since it's 50 50 split right now. And now. They're saying the Democrats may pick up one seat. They've moved it over into toss up. They still say the GOP could still take over. They could gain three seats, but they're saying the Dems could actually pick up one seat. They're now calling this a toss up. And I wonder to what we owe that. I mean, is it <laughs> is it abortion? Is it the media? Is it is what is it? You tell me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked this. This happens to be like what we do in our day job. Uh, yep. when we're not just sort of being assholes and making fun of each other, um, <laughs> <In> the program, <laughs> yeah, on the program. So, look, there are a couple of important things to to remember, and apparently, Cook Political has has forgotten this. It's generally a pretty good prognosticator of things to come. But if you look at every midterm that's happened over the last twelve years, um, generally speaking, there's an environmental issue, a political environment, one way or another, right? In ten and fourteen, they were really big headwinds for Obama and his party Democrats uh, in Congress. And what ultimately happened is in if you look at August polling of both 10 and 14, Republicans were either down in these Senate races or down big in all the Senate, like seven of seven targeted Senate races in 2014. Senate Republicans were trailing in multiple consecutive polls, right? You fast forward to the end of that story. Republicans won 10 seats, right? Not only did they win all seven, they won three more. So it, it takes a while in a midterm for the political environment to catch up the, to the ballot questions in Senate races. Midterms tend to be a little bit sleepier. People don't clue in like they do to presidential races until later in the game. That is just a historical norm that's happened over the last 12 years. Now, the one exception to that is in 2010 when it was still a good Obamacare. day for Republicans. But you had a couple of candidates out there. If you if you remember the witch, remember the witch? Oh, yeah. Chris O'Donnell, uh, right? Yeah, Christine O'Donnell. Christine O'Donnell, yeah, yes. Her and then Sharon Angle, uh, who I Nevada. don't even started on her. In Nevada, those were two incredibly winnable Senate races that the candidate and the campaign just couldn't execute down the stretch. They were mm. flawed nominees. Now, the media is arguing that Republicans have incredibly flawed nominees. I'm not sure that's true. We're going to find out one way or another. But the environment is not the issue. They keep saying that it's going to be that abortion has fundamentally changed the game. Nonsense. They keep saying that, like, I mean, can you imagine just for a second, just for a second, that you actually believe the American people have experienced all this inflation, all the economic recession, dark stuff going ahead, and they're funding like electric cars 
in multi-trillion dollar bills. And all they're going to set that all aside and be like, you know what? I'm a single issue voter this year. It's never happened in history, right? But that's the argument that they're actually making here. And so I think that Republicans have a much greater chance than anybody has given them, uh, given the polling that we're seeing right now. But it is ultimately up to the candidates to try to deliver down the stretch. Hmm. The 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 news media coverage of these Trump back candidates uh, is predictably unfair and obnoxious. You know, Carrie Leak is somebody who's getting it from every single written publication I've read, every single mainstream media. You know, I realize she's definitely team MAGA, but I I think she's got a shot. I think she's like she obviously is great on camera. She's dynamic. She's kind of fun to watch. She's got a little Trump pizzazz in her. Um, so we'll see. Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania is getting it. There is a viral clip of him. I don't have it cut, but there's a viral clip of him because he was in Wegmans. And I don't know if you guys ever because you're down in the in the Beltway area. I don't know if you guys have Wegmans there, but no, I'm from upstate New York. OK, we have Wegmans and it is the most beautiful, wonderful supermarket chain I've ever had the pleasure to step foot inside. It's awesome. I only wish that we had a Wegmans close to me where I, I love Wegmans. It's like nicer than Whole Foods because it's bigger and it's better organized and it's not like full of obnoxious people. Um, <laughs> and, and yet it's got really good produce and it's well organized. I just I love Wegmans. Anyway, apparently he was in a Wegmans and he called it a Wegner's <laughs> and he was picking out like some broccoli and some kale and said, I'm going to make, you know, my wife wanted to make a crudite. And <laughs> the opponent there, you know, who's more man of the people is like in Pennsylvania, we call that a veggie plate. You know, like, what do you what do you you know? He's like looking out of touch is what, how the mainstream will paint it. He's getting hit because he said he had two homes, but really he has 10. Is it really a shock that Dr. Oz is a rich man? He had a very successful show for all these years. Anyway, does any of this matter? He's running against a guy who has been living off of his parents. He's 50 years old and he's still getting an allowance from his parents. And he bought a house from his sister for one dollar. One dollar. So we're talking about an <laughs> opponent here who can't put a sentence together. Somebody should say it. The guy cannot speak. And I think that I think Pennsylvania is a state that we can win. I mean, one of the points you made is about the Trump effect. And Holmes was pointing out the midterms. But in 2016, there were Republican candidates who were polling significantly behind their Democrat opponent in Wisconsin. Ron Johnson was was polling double digits behind Russ Feingold. He went on to win that race in Indiana. Todd Young was polling double digits behind Evan Bayh, went on to win that race. And in Pennsylvania, you had Pat Toomey polling behind Katie McGinty, went on to win that race in 2016. So I think I think Oz can win this race. Um, and I think Fetterman is the kind of candidate who is offering something that suburban Collar County voters around Philadelphia are not looking for. Yeah, I mean, the other piece of this is what the media has failed to adequately explain is let there be no mistake. Democrats are the party of big money. Right. And they have outspent Republicans over the summer to the tune of like five to one in every one of these races. At some point this fall, when voters tune in, the other side of the story is going to be told. You just mentioned the Fetterman situation. Like we all know the crudite story, you know, because the media dutifully does their their job in trying to denigrate a Republican. But how many people at this point know the fact that this guy has lived out of his parents' home? And bought a house from his sister for one dollar and still gets an allowance, right? I mean, if we're talking out of touch for for people and families that are struggling to buy groceries, 
how the hell is that in touch with anything? I mean, he's just and basically. Don't you want Henry somebody Gold. who's successful? Mehmet Oz has not only run this successful television program, but been a respected doctor. You know, it's like, why? Why are we so quick to demonize like somebody who's been super hardworking and a successful person who's very relatable? I mean, the fact that he calls veggie tray crudite doesn't necessarily mean he can't help you. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I would love to see the Oz campaign lean more into his actual story and, yes. and, and, and compare that to Fetterman. So this guy had his immigrant parents moved to this country. Right. And what does Oz do when he's in America? What does he do with that opportunity? He goes to Harvard. He gets a medical degree from the University of Pennsylvania. He develops numerous heart surgery methods that he teaches as a professor of medicine at Columbia University. This guy is the definition of someone who pulled themselves up from their bootstraps, made something himself, and he deserves the success that he's earned. He shouldn't shy away from any of that. And he shouldn't put up with someone like Fetterman trying to call him out with it when everything in Fetterman's life has been handed to him. Well, and also, I mean, Fetterman, given his health problems, maybe he should be reaching more for the crudite than the cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly right. He should become right. familiar with the crudite. He it, can't it, speak it's, because it's, he had a stroke and then he's been basically, you know, not in the public eye ever since. Yeah. And, and it is sort of bizarre. I mean, I guess I'm sort of used to this now because I've seen this happen over more recent cycles in politics. But there is, you know, obviously a huge disconnect between Twitter and what voters actually care about. But because the media spends all day on the platform, the narratives start to get built around what happens there, even though the actual reach to voters is so very small. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, Fetterman, like you said, Ashbrook, who can barely string, you know, three sentences together is, you know, launching all these Twitter dunks from like left wing Zoomers while like, I, I mean, the guy's been like hiding in his house for the last three I mean, months. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like mm -hmm. the media is more concerned with the way that Dr. Oz pronounces vegetables and the fact that John Fetterman is a vegetable. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to oh, do God. on camera interviews. He's not going to do debates. We're going to get letters on that one, Megan. <laughs> what else is new? You know, it's funny because I will admit when I was, I don't know, 22 or so on, right around there, um, my uh, a family member got married and I was looking at the, the planned offering at the wedding and it said that word, crudite. And I said, what's crudite? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My stepsister was like, ah, oh, oh, you don't know. I, I truly am a woman of the people. We didn't have such yeah. things growing up. We had hell of a good French onion dip and carrots. And it, it was the bomb and chips at every like, you know, Super Bowl, Thanksgiving. It's you know what? St show me something that beats hell of a good French onion dip as an offering. And I'll buy it because in 51 years of life, I haven't found it. <laughs> you can't beat it. You can't beat it. No, I, I mean, care. I think. Most of our uh, our dining uh, accoutrements were basically like steaks and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, get a burger mixed in and some fries, maybe some chips. I mean, that's like, I didn't know what the crew did. Well, now, either, to be honest. now it's like, you okay, I could go to Wegmans if I had one nearby. I can go to Whole Foods. I can buy all the fanciest foods and cheeses and whatever that they are. Hell of a good. That's what I want. If I ever come over to your house and you know what I want with it? I want ruffles with the oh. ridges. That's yes. I love the ruffles with the ridges oh, in the hell of a good. Leave me there. I'll five pounds later. I'll be happy as a pig. And you know what? It'll be great. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. It's like people put together their charcuterie boards with the cheese and the salami and everything. And that makes for a great Instagram post. But let's be serious. <laughs> At the end of the day, you want the French onion dip. You want yes. the Velveeta cheese. You want the ruffles you, chips. Let's you be want honest. the pigs in a blanket bought that's from right. Costco. You don't need them. You know, not no fancier than that. You get them from Costco. You shove them in the oven bigger, the better. They're amazing. Like 
that comfort food is what everybody wants. They don't want they, Dr. Oz needs to learn that they they don't want broccoli and they definitely don't want. Oh. <laughs> it's a shame when you're a doctor, you know, you're trying to help people. I mean, veteran men can always be like, no, I'd rather have a cheesesteak. We see where that's done. Him. Pretty, well, pretty in Philly, that, yeah. that should fly. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, it, I can just see it's like you unless you step back, you don't realize how the media will work to destroy any Republican running for office. You know, last week we had Tim Scott on. We played the soundbite from uh, Ellie Mistal, who's the uh, correspondent that, uh, for The Nation. And he's on MSNBC all the time. He's a he's a black man. And he went off on the biggest racist rant about Herschel Walker, Senate candidate down in Georgia. It was stunning. I mean, it's amazing to me. I realize he's a black man doing the racist rant. That doesn't excuse it. It was absolutely disgraceful. And, you know, that just passes for news on MSNBC and people move on. It's like poor Herschel Walker's getting the Clarence Thomas treatment and the treatment that so many black conservatives have gotten time after time. Nary an eyebrow has raised. You notice how anti-racism has a lot of similarities to just plain old racism? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots. You know, it's like what you get out of the left. If like you don't need to boil down the thought process here. They, they are frankly offended by the idea that an African-American man in this country can have conservative views. They have taken this population for granted as part of the Democratic voting bloc absolutely in perpetuity for as long as, well, my entire lifetime anyway. And, and, and so anytime you get a Herschel Walker or a Tim Scott or somebody who is trying to help educate people on the principles of conservatism, they personally are attacked, right? And oftentimes in an incredibly racist way that even genuine racists are like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. You, know when, I mean? you mentioned Senator Tim Scott. I don't know if you heard this story about when he submitted an op ed to The New York Times. Barry Weiss, who I know is yeah. a, is a you know widely read friend of the show. Uh, yeah. She told this story about how his submission to The New York Times was blocked, not by somebody at The New York Times, by Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer. They that they, that they ran it by Chuck Schumer. Yeah. And he said, no, you start to realize that anti-racism is gatekeeping what's allowed to be black in America. Bingo. That's what I mean. That's what it is. That's it's weird so how not, Democrats feel like they have some sort of ownership over black people. Like maybe historically there's something there. Old trends some issues die there? hard. So speaking of media and giving a pass where one shouldn't, let's talk about the General Michael Hayden tweet. Um, so General Michael Hayden, who used to run the CIA, has made his views of Republicans known. And boy, oh boy, the timing couldn't be better or worse, depending on your viewpoint, because we're in the midst of, you know, hardcore MAGA, absolutely believing that there's a deep state, believing that it's behind the raid on Mar-a-Lago, believing that you can't believe a word out of our intelligence agencies or our Department of Justice and the FBI. And at this very moment, General Michael Hayden sends out an insane tweet. OK, so here first is Ed Luce, who's an associate editor of The Financial Times, who tweets out as follows. Um, this tweet was 812, but the Hayden thing just came out yesterday. He tweets out, quote, I, again, this is Luce, quote, I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career, have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous and contemptible <laughs> than today's Republicans. Nothing close. OK, he's never encountered something more dangerous, and contemptible. Uh, General Michael Hayden tweets out. I agree. And I was the CIA director. So Michael Hayden, uh, ISIS, <laughs> the Taliban, Al Qaeda 
has never come across a political force. I never know whether it's nihilistic or nihilistic. I've heard people say it different ways. I say nih- nihilistic, um, dangerous and contemptible than the Republican Party. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to put I'm going to put a quarter in Duncan's back and wind the the toy. Okay. Yeah. And just and just let him go. I think we'll all appreciate this. Well, I think number one, I mean, his <laughs> his his contract must be up for renewal at MSNBC to tweet something that outrageous. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, it's a perfect demonstration of why there's so much skepticism, I think, on the right and, you know, historically on the left, On you know, with our intelligence agencies. You look at these people like James Clapper, you look at the people like Brennan or, you know, Hayden, and you look at people like Schiff um, who use uh, the intelligence, uh, you know, apparatus in this country as this sort of shield to say whatever they want no matter how outrageous it is. And I think it really undermines their credibility when they do things like that. And I mean, you know, I mean, there there are a host of examples going back to Russiagate in the early days of the Trump administration that prove out that these people don't have any idea what they're doing. You know, James Comey all the way down. And it's like, I don't know what they expect. Well, I mean, look, Hayden was in this line of work when they bombed the World Trade Center the first time. He was in that line of work when the same people took out Kobar Towers, right? He was in that same line of work when 9-11 happened. Over a 25-year period of time, Al-Qaeda and, and bin Laden associates took out an enormous amount of, of Americans and allies in pursuit of an ideology that is so dangerous and extreme, like we don't even need to cover it, right? But the fact that that is sort of glossed over, by the way, Hayden worked in all of these places while that shit was going on. Right. So now today's Republican Party, because it presents a different alternative to whatever's going on on MSNBC, is somehow equated with bin Laden. I mean, come on, man. It's just it's it's disgusting. The FBI tried to entrap the former president of the United States by showing up when he won election and said, Congratulations, Mr. President-elect. Hey, did you pee on Russian prostitutes? Day one. Yeah, that's what James Comey did. And then he ran downstairs like a good little Boy Scout into his car and typed out a bunch of notes and tried to leak them to the media to start the the independent investigation and Russiagate and all that bullshit. Like, I don't know. It seems like they were wrong about that. I mean, there's so much to to, to go into on that tweet. I think the, the funniest part to start with is at the very bottom, it says, uh, tweet sent from McLean, Virginia. So he's in his mansion in like this wealthy suburb in D.C. popping out takes on his country. iPad to impress MSNBC, get that contract renewal. And this is someone who's seen ISIS set people on fire to execute <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, for execution videos. It would honestly, set people can I just on say fire like, in cages. And he's like, no, no, no. Honestly, it's got to be it's got to be the GOP who's far more and, extreme and, than that. You may want to go with dangerous if you're a political opponent for the Republicans, contemptible. OK, I, I get it. You don't like Republicans, but truly nihilistic. I mean, like absence of moral. You don't believe in moral principles. You don't believe in religious principles. You believe life is meaningless. In what world does that describe Republicans, even arguably? They're the party uh, of pro-life, of trying to protect unborn babies. They're the party of that tends to be more religious. They're the party that used to, you know, be very lecturing about moral codes and so on. Like even arguably, I don't know how you get to nihilistic, but that's his worldview. And it's not just Michael Hayden's, you know, like it's it's why people believe that the CIA, that the FBI, that the DOJ would do whatever it took to get Donald Trump to get him out of office, to get him from winning a second term. This is why core Republicans continue to believe that they stole the election um, to get him from being able to run again. And that brings me to Sam Harris, who I like. I really like Sam. I think he's brilliant. He's been great on things like, um, 
you know, being honest about what radical Islam means to the United States. By the way, we should talk about Salman Rushdie at, at some point. Um, but he and he's been very great in defending cops and all the the lies that have been told about them. So he's a sort of non woke left leaning guy. And he's interesting. He's not religious. He's an atheist. He, he does a lot on that. Um, but he hates Donald Trump. And every once in a while, he's very helpful for like a window into how people who really hate Donald Trump think. So he gave an interview um, to our pal, uh, our pals who do the um, I'm blanking on the name of their podcast. I've been on it and I love it. Um, come on, Constantine. Yeah, it's Constantine Kisner's podcast. What is it called? Uh, Trigonometry. Thank you, team. Trigonometry. It, also super fun to listen to. Gives him an interview and listen to what he said about Hunter Biden. I mean, Hunter Biden at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. Right. It's like it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden. Right. It's not it's like it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like if you if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right, or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like it's like it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like there, there's just. It doesn't even it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in, in Hunter Biden's laptop, in my view. Right now, that's not that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account like that. That's a, just a conspiracy. That's a left wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely, it was absolutely right, but I think it was warranted. <laughs> oh my God, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's just insane. And what what Hayden did was take that insanity and apply it to half of this country. Yep, right. And yeah. said all Republicans are terrible people. And I just I just think that these guys, you know, Senator Grassley. I don't know if you guys have seen this. He has sent three letters to the FBI asking them to explain what he's been what's been reported by whistleblowers to his committee about political favoritism. They're not going after Hunter Biden. They are going after Donald Trump. And the FBI is non-responsive to Senator Grassley. I think that's that's a mistake on their part. I think you should be responsive to Senator Grassley. If he's shown anything, he's tenacious in this life mm -hmm. at 80 years old, getting up at four True. in the morning, running five miles a day. But I, I just to your point about the division in this country and the mistrust of institutions, I, the FBI Democrats are not doing anything to heal any of that. How, what's this dude? So I, I don't know this dude. Apparently you do. Uh, He's I got I, like I one of the most successful, popular podcasts out there. If I, Steve Cracker on my EP will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was his mother who was the executive producer of Golden Girls, which is. Oh, how, OK. He All right. Well, yeah, that's a hell of a show. Yeah, that's a lot of good Thank to put out there in the world. Thank you for being a friend. Yes. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> he's a um, deep thinker. He's very into like meditation and he's got a lot of thoughts on politics. He's all over the board. Like you never kind of know where he's going to go. But he's been very clear in his hatred for Donald Trump. And even when he came on my program shortly after we launched, 
we had an argument just like this. I was making some criticisms of Joe Biden. And, he, and I, as I recall, he said something to the effect of, do they compare? Like, do you do you really think there's a comparison there, uh, you know, between well, I don't Biden know. and Trump? I, I, Megan, I don't know if he must have not had the privilege of seeing what's in Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, because I don't think he'd be so dismissive of that. Uh, the pictures in particular, I think, leave Ugh. a scarring, scarring image on all those who witnessed everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I guess what I, I actually appreciate it because this is a real commitment to the bit like this is really putting the, the blue jersey on and saying I'm ride or die. And I can appreciate that, you know, as somebody who's a Colts fan. And, you know, I mean, basically, the, <laughs> basically what I'm saying here is like, you know, when you're not having a lot of success and as a Colts fan, you know, you you, you we won one Super Bowl, but um, it became more important than making the playoffs was just beating the Patriots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like anything could happen. But as long as we beat the Patriots during the regular season, we had a good season. That and it's sort win. of like that. They've gotten that obsessed with Donald Trump that they don't care about anything else. They're just like, we just got to get them. Yeah. Right. As long as we get Donald Trump, it was all worth it. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's just like, ends it's justify an incredible the means. Commitment. It's right. ends justify the means policy and procedure and practice. And that's truly, I mean, that is at the heart of why Republicans distrust the results of the last election, distrust the DOJ and the FBI, distrust the CIA. They believe that General Michael Hayden, Jim Comey, Christopher Ray, who heads up the FBI now, Merrick Garland, all share the ideology that Sam Harris just said out loud. And it's dangerous if it's the policy or practice of people in those positions. Let me pause you because we'll pick it back up right there with the latest on the Trump raid and what's happening in court today uh, as that skepticism continues uh, by at least half, if not more, of the country. Stand by. This all leads us to this discussion, this distrust in these agencies that really, I mean, whatever, you can call it deep state, you can call it whatever you want. They hate Donald Trump. They've been pretty open about it. They've been out to get him for his entire four years and remain out to get him two years post-presidency. And I, I 100% believe that's what was behind the FBI raid the other week. I, I believe Trump's got documents at Mar-a-Lago that maybe he's not technically allowed to have. Um, doesn't justify what we saw. I, that's, that's my take. Not even close. So we're going to get more information on exactly what went down there. But what's happened now is the DOJ released the warrant that they used, that they got from the judge to go in there and seize the documents. But they didn't release the real money document, which is the affidavit in support of the warrant. And it wouldn't be normal for them to release that at this point in the case, because normally it kind of shows your whole case and it could re it could reveal sources, could reveal confidential informants could reveal more about your case than you want the defendant to see. But right now, the media has filed a request that the that the government release it or that the judge release it. And the DOJ claims that um, they they don't want it released yet because they'd have to redact the entire document. Um, and Trump is saying he wants to see it. So, look, I don't think what's going to happen that they're going in court today. I don't think the judge is going to release this. Not yet. It's too early in the case. But the but it's sort of it raises some interesting questions because normally Andy McCarthy was pointing this out. Normally, you don't you don't execute a search warrant like the FBI did until you're about to make an arrest. Like once you have enough to get a search warrant like this, you have enough to get an arrest. And all of the data as to why those things would be justified will be in this affidavit. 
And the question really is whether they're getting ready to arrest Donald Trump. And that's why they don't want to show us what's in this thing or what's happening next. Um, But I wonder whether this winds up in an indictment and tears the country apart or they try to slink away saying we got our boxes back. Never mind all that shit we did down at Mar-a-Lago. Just trust us. He's a criminal. What do you guys think? Look, I I think a good place to start with this is that it's an unprecedented thing that just happened, right? It, It never before has the administration of a of a president raided a, another president who happened to be a political opponent and perhaps a future political opponent, right? I mean, obviously mm-hmm. anybody with, with a brain can see how that could be problematic. But the precedent itself of raiding the, uh, the house of a former president is so high. It is so high. One of two things needs to happen, right? Either they have to have some unbelievable evidence of some kind of documents in there with an intent to like distribute it. Or you need the entire Department of Justice to resign immediately, Mm -hmm. right? One of those two things needs to be the case. You can't slink away with boxes. That doesn't work because you've just thrown the country into absolute turmoil. It Mm -hmm. is not a paper pushing conduct. You don't do something like that over an accounting mechanism of documents that need to go to the National Archives or whatever. I mean, we don't know. Candidly, to, to the point that you were making earlier about nobody's trusts these guys anymore. Yeah. I mean, they won't release the affidavit, but you can helpfully read in the New York Times and Washington Post that they were talking about nuclear secrets. Right. Right. Meanwhile, we have no idea what that means. We have no no idea idea. what that means. Does it it mean like just a general discussion about how Iran's likely to, you know, to be pursuing a bomb? The North Koreans like it could be anything. The the intimation on cable news is he was passing nuclear codes to somebody like this is how you launch our weapons. This is how we built our bombs. And we're and we're supposed to trust you know, that sourcing in the New York Times based on people like Michael Hayden, who say if a Republican is a, is a terrorist right. worse than ISIS, like, right. how do you square right. that circle? And then you got, you know, people talking after the Trump raid about, you know, tone policing about like, well, let's not, you know, say bad things about the FBI and all that. And like, look, yeah, tone could be better. But like, you're calling Republicans terrorists. Merrick Garland and the FBI put every parent who went to a PTA meeting on the domestic terrorist list. Like, I'm sorry, but you're giving us a lot of reasons to be pretty skeptical. The other Spare piece of context, your lectures. This is coming on on the heels of six months of these people telling us there's nothing to see here on Hunter Biden. Don't don't even worry. He's fine. He's clean. Nothing to worry about with Hunter Biden. It's not it's not something that anybody and four, should look And into. four years of Russiagate. Right? Including Hayden. Same- I mean, that's what really bothers me is that you had how many investigations have already occurred on Donald Trump? And and he hasn't been guilty of any of this. They spent years pushing this Russian conspiracy on the public. How many newscasters, how many of these journalists got their books about how Donald Trump's a KGB agent on the New York Times bestseller list? All of them made a career off of it. All of them made money on it. Now we found out an FBI testimony that like, yeah, you know, none of that was actually real. None of them have issued redactions. None of them gave back the money to people. Oh, I'm issuing a refund. Everything I said about Russia and Donald Trump's a KGB agent was bullshit. Mm -hmm. No, none of them have to apologize. They make their money. They're fine. They're happy fooling the public and lying to the public and saying that Donald Trump is 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 has a nuclear bomb in Mar-a-Lago. Like, how ridiculous is it? And when Merrick Garland gets on that podium and says, I take responsibility, the buck stops here. I authorize that raid. This is the guy who, like 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 Ashbrook mentioned, put parents or dunk mesh put parents on a terror watch list 
right, for showing up to PTA meetings, has allowed uh, mobs to form and run amok outside the houses of Supreme Court justices after uh, an attempt was made on the life of Justice Kavanaugh. So so his focus is on what is on punishing a guy who I wonder why. When, when, well, when, let's when not forget Obama promises this, Merrick Garland a Supreme Court justice seat and yeah, he doesn't get right, it yeah. and Trump appoints a replacement. Maybe he's got personal reasons he's doing this kind of let's garbage. Let's not forget how he wound up in this situation, uh, politics uh, of Merrick Garland aside. I mean, they went to the right person. But uh, in The Federalist, they had a great piece the other day, and it was outlining the fact that this guy, the record keeper at the National Archives, is sounds like a partisan hack. He was saying that before he launched this whole thing by realizing Trump probably had um, documents down in Mar-a-Lago that were technically supposed to be with the archivist and not with Trump, even though most, if not all of these will ultimately probably wind up in Trump's presidential library. But there's an interim period where this guy wants to control them and with everybody else has controlled them. This guy resigned under President Biden saying, I want to make sure that this administration replaces me and talked about how January 6th was the worst day of his entire life. So this does not sound like somebody who is in any way a Trump fan. And this is the guy who, when he realized that he didn't think he had all the boxes back and when Trump returned those 15 boxes a couple months ago, said, oh, there's classified information in here, went to the DOJ. And the next thing you know, they're opening up a grand a grand jury proceeding, which is extraordinary, right? Like, why are you going right the, to the grand jury route? Why wouldn't there be more of a negotiation? Why wouldn't there be more back and forth like we did with the Clintons when they stole almost $200,000 worth of furniture from the White House? There's a negotiation, you see? And the tr the Clintons wound up paying about half of that back to the United States. But in any event, uh, they went nuclear right away, like grand jury open. Let's get let's get it on. And that's what culminated in this FBI raid. So this bureaucrat who clearly did, didn't like Trump went to another bureaucrat essentially Merrick Garland. And Merrick Garland smelled an opportunity as the Democrats and the media were leaning on him to get Trump on January 6th. This would be the fishing expedition he wanted because this yep. was not limited in any way to classified documents. This was a this was a huge net cast as widely as possible. He got all of the documents that he could possibly get, including, you know, stuff from Melania's closet, stuff from, you know, the safe, which, by the way, would have required a separate showing of cause. So I'm really interested to know what was in the safe because they say nothing. So what what did he hear was in the safe? Who told you something was in the safe and what's been? So I want to read the affidavit when it finally comes out. But in any event, that's why it all smells so partisan. And the thing that I see happening is if they, either they indict Trump and we get to see all that's in that affidavit or they don't in indict Trump and they never have to release it. All we have to live with is this stupid leaks to The New York Times and The Washington Post, which are partisan and selective and we'll never get to press them. Yeah, you notice how it's it's there's only one party left in this country that believes in the blindfold over Lady Justice, right? Mm. I mean, this is supposed to be justice mm -hmm. applied equally under the law for all Americans. And you look back with like, I think it was Clapper. Mm -hmm. uh, you clearly have Fauci lying about con congressional testimony. What's the name of the porn lawyer? Avenatti. Avenatti. Creepy porn lawyer to you. Julie Swetnick rolls in Julie Swetnick to abjectly lie uh, and, and accuse Justice Kavanaugh of being a serial date rapist. Right. And gang What's rapist. Gang rapist. Yeah. 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 Gang rapist. So. So. But the important part about that is that the the Judiciary Committee in the Senate actually referred that specific case to the Department of Justice for prosecution. Right. Seems like a pretty cut and dry case to me. Did he or did he not do it? We all saw him on TV doing it. They, clearly, that is the case. Where's the prosecution, right? Where is the prosecution of Clapper 
and misleading Congress. And yet, you know, everybody on the right has this immediate inundation. They're either investigated, they're indicted, or in some cases, like Steve Bannon, were convicted. And you have to just step back for a minute, right? And, and let's not even excuse any of the behavior that led to the ultimate indictments. Yeah. Why is it that they're only applied to Republicans? Mm -hmm. That is a massive problem. The precedent of rating a president, you can understand how there are a bunch of Republicans out there that would also seek to use, if they got their hands back on, on power, the Department of Justice in a similar way that Democrats have now been using it for the last 20 years. That is an incredibly dangerous precedent, right? But so that's why I say, if this is like a paperwork issue, and he didn't have documents that he that, or he had them that he shouldn't have had, and that's it, they need to gut the entire Department of Justice, Ray, Garland, and everybody else, throw their asses out of there. They should be looked at for criminal proceedings. Absolutely. And then you should look mm -hmm. back and try to rebuild justice in this country in a way that people have faith in, because currently they do not. And if it was something mm -hmm. like more serious, I think raiding the former president's house requires a radical level of transparency. Radical. Like, like yeah. that's the Good only point. way you restore trust to people is like a radically transparent process and then let the people decide for themselves, not this cloak and dagger bullshit that we've gone through for the last five years, going all the way back to Russiagate. You know, remember this? It was always, oh, no, I've seen proof of collusion. I can't tell you about it just yet, but I'm going to go on cable news every night and say I found it. And then, of course, it didn't happen. The Mueller report comes out and there was no collusion. Then it's on to the next thing. Then it's on to the next thing. And I, I'm very worried this is going to be one more thing to your point, Megan, that they're going to go and they're going to get all the right TPS reports from Trump that he wasn't supposed to have. And then we're not going to hear anything else about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's going to be another thing for the left to talk about every night on cable news about how, hey, you remember that thing with the nukes? Because I read about it in The New York Times. I never saw any proof, but it happened. And I mean, I think that's exactly I think I think Duncan perfectly encapsulated what has happened? So this the, the left is no longer instituted in trying to like restore faith in any sort of institution. They've become completely politicized from top to bottom where you have. I, I think Kavanaugh is a perfect example of this. Everyone has learned that all the lies that porn lawyer told about Justice Kavanaugh were absolute lies. It's creepy but, porn lawyer. Creepy, yeah, creepy porn porn but lawyer. the but but you've got half of America who believes to this day that they were true. And for the rest of his life, I mean, we all saw the images of Kavanaugh's wife behind him in tears, hearing these lies said about her husband on national TV. It's awful to see that. A man who led, who worked so hard to get to this position, and they spread, the left does this, is they spread lies about individuals and let them hang there because they know there's no consequences that they face. Well, the media's on their side. And, and how, how justice uh, happens in this country doesn't inspire a lot of confidence because creepy porn lawyer can lie before the Senate Judiciary Committee and face no consequences, but he shakes down Nike. Yeah, right? you can't, you can't and touch then a corporation. You go, yeah. Right. And then the left's like, jail. don't touch one of our corporations. You can't touch That's what, It's unbelievable. That's right. And that's what's finally got him um, booted from CNN too. His, his his shaking down of Nike and got him yeah. swept up in the criminal right. law. And then we found out all the things he was secretly stealing from Stormy Daniels behind the scene. And his explanation was, I got too close to the sun. I got too close to the sun. <laughs> Can I tell you, one of my proudest journalistic moments was I had creepy porn lawyer on my show when I was at NBC. And this is during the love fest by the left against this guy. And I gave him such a hard time. And it was so fun because he was totally expecting me to give him a pass. And you know, I guess because I was at NBC, I remember thinking to myself, a simple Google search would have disabused you from that notion, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't want to come his... unprepared to Megan. Nope. 
No, no. And you know what? And the guy representing Trump came on, too, and I gave him a tough time as well. So it was like fair and balanced. Good times. Uh, all right. Stand by because there's so much more to get to. We've got to get to Olbermann. We got to get to Fauci and COVID and the CDC investigating itself. What they really say is they've been too smart. They've been too academic. They've been really too focused on scholarly articles. And that's really how they're going to revamp. Do you feel better? We'll get to that. Uh, and also Afghanistan and what the guys think of that. The Ruthless Podcast guys are with us for the whole show. And don't forget, you can find The Megan Kelly Show live on SiriusXM Triumph Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. We got a youtube.com slash Megan Kelly if you want to watch it, or you can subscribe as a podcast listener if you prefer that means of getting your news. I meant to mention this before. Um, presidential historian Michael Beschloss had tweeted out something when the Trump news broke, you know, the, the reporting by Washington Post that this was nuclear secrets or nuclear information he had at Mar-a-Lago. He sent out a tweet that basically said um, it, it, it cited how um, the Rosenbergs, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, were convicted for giving U.S. nuclear secrets to Moscow and were executed June of 1953. He just happened to tweet that right as that news broke. And um, uh What's his name? He tweeted. Uh, Hayden responded uh, by tweeting. No. Sounds about right. <laughs> My God. Oh. So, yeah. So now Trump's there's, there's, the same there's as so the many layers to this. So I think Beschloss, th this is something that really, you know, thank you for bringing this up. This guy is the worst <laughs> hack in the game. Passes himself off as being some kind of like a historian. You know, I, I just I'm just very interested in the subject and I want to educate people. Well, unlike unlike some folks I know who 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 uh, got a contract with NBC and had some integrity, he he gave all his up. His was for sale. Mm -hmm. So now he all he does is he just runs all the damn attack lines. He's attacking Dr. Oz today. He, he He's calling Donald Trump the Rosenbergs. He's completely lost the script because he's getting paid to do this. And the fact that uh, yet again, it, it completely undermines any faith that the American people should have in our justice system and an administration when the CIA director is like, Sounds about right. Well, you, <laughs> Justin yeah. McClain drop and takes. You, you, <laughs> you look at the last last few years, last five years of American politics. Seems like our intel officers, you know, with COVID, like quote unquote scientists, epidemiologists. Everyone was an epidemiologist on Twitter for two years, and now historians are all in this battle to see who can provide more left wing takes online every day. Yeah. It's like the politiza politicization of everything. It's it's terrible. I hate it. Did you see I that? Like, the, the, I, I like the way Biden Smug said that. It's a he's become a dem attack. He meant to say that, he, that's it. It's a it's a yeah. dem attack. <laughs> Did you Keep see going, that Biden brought all those turds into the Oval Office not oh, too long God, ago? Yeah, yeah. With Beschloss and everything, like all those pseudo historians that uh, they came in ostensibly to talk about the very serious nature of the of the threat to democracy here in America, right? I mean, with like a newly elected president, right? I, I can't. I literally don't know where to begin to express my like total disinterest in everything that those people mm -hmm. have to say from here on out. I loathe mm -hmm. these people. It yeah. is oh. it's disgusting. It's like the same thing as like you get those like new reporters who are like fresh out of uh, uh, journalism school. Total waste of money. But anyways, they're fresh out of there. They get their first ride on Air Force One. They take their selfies with the M&Ms and then they're like, I have been bought. I will push whatever you want me to say, Joe Biden. Thank you for the M&Ms photo that I sent to my mom. Anything you need said. That's what's becoming of the whole institution. You know, Beshoss mm -hmm. is a perfect example of this, where you give this guy one White House visit, and you know what happened there. Joe Biden was like, okay, man. Well, Joe Biden probably couldn't say it. So Joe Biden's in the corner, probably being fed 
pudding by a nurse. And his aides are like, okay, so Beshloss, here's what we need you to tweet out. Can you do this for us? And Beshloss is like, absolutely. Oh, my God. Can I just show you something? So Biden, when he signed the Inflation Reduction Act the other day, yeah, right. um, he was very happy about it and had another senior moment where he shook the hands of those present. Then he stopped to put on his mask and then appeared to have forgotten in that two seconds that he'd already shook the hands of all those people. Here's the video. For, for those of you listening, this is what's happening. There, they're clapping. There, he's signing. They're clapping. Now he's putting on his mask. He's already shaken everyone's hands. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, there we go. Double high five. More shaking. Yeah. Honestly, it's like they're the media's they're not interested in President Biden's mental health at all. But, you know, they'll talk about Mehmet Oz and crudite all day long. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> How are we not concerned about this guy? Right. I mean, we, it's, we it's literally concerned. every day. It's, it's what do you make of Carolyn Mahoney of New York, of the Upper West Side, where I used to live? She, Democratic congresswoman saying, quote, off the record, but it was on the record of the New York Times. He's not running again. Like, I mean, she she might know. <laughs> she stepped in it a few times. You know, I mean, I, I think she also had had an issue on CNN where she said something similar a while ago. And then she had to go back on for a struggle session where she publicly, <laughs> you know, recanted and said, oh, Joe Biden, please run again. Pretty please. Well, she went direct to camera like it was a hostage. Video, right. Yeah. Right. Right. She was like yeah. talking directly to him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't I feel like she might know she's pretty high up in Democratic politics. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just her speculation. But yeah, you look at him. There's another one of those every day where you think he can't possibly. But listen, I'm it's really one hoping, thing like, to just forget for... whose hand you you've been shaking. It's quite another to, you know, pull yeah. us out of Afghanistan and, and completely embarrass the nation and our military. And that's when his poll numbers fell. They're rising again. I will say they're going up a little bit as the gas prices go down. His poll numbers go up a bit. I don't know if people are celebrating his Inflation Reduction Act or what, but they seem to be having a little bit of wind at their back, notwithstanding the fact that those Afghanistan lies were now one year post the disastrous withdrawal, and they're all being proven day by day. But it's another story the media ignores. Just here's just one. OK, so this time last year, uh, when when Biden pulled out the troops uh, so disastrously, he said, we will make sure that we get every American out. Right. He said that one month before he actually did it. And then we saw what happened. No, it was, it was no, it was, it was when he actually did it on August 19th. And now we get the news just yesterday. This is from The New York Post. He did not get all the Americans out at the time. We had more than a thousand. They've been able to put a number on it. More than a thousand who were left behind. This is thanks to Michael McCall, uh, who issued a 115-page report, and from the two-page summary, you can see um, that we, the State Department, has since evacuated more than 800 Americans. Um, outside veterans groups have evacuated several hundred more, meaning well over a thousand Americans had been abandoned, contrary to this promise by the president back on August 19th, 2021. Listen, SOT one. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the if, troops will if stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if there are American forces, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Just Lies. another lie. 
there's nothing wrong with George Stephanopoulos. The guy has built a great career for himself. But let's begin this segment by recognizing the fact that he, too, is a Democrat press secretary. Yeah, right. the guy worked for Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, OK, we need you to hold this down administration to account. And he asked Joe Biden a very simple question. And Biden can't even answer it about the top issue of last summer. He is completely unfit to be holding the office that he has right now. I mean, he's been wrong about everything as it relates to Afghanistan. I mean, Mm -hmm. saying, number one, that you're going to get every American out, which obviously they didn't when he said, you know, there it's very unlikely that the Taliban will retake all of Afghanistan. He was wrong about that. You know, that happened and out within hours when they're going to say, you you know, oh, Qaeda is not going to reconstitute in Afghanistan. Well, we had to kill. You know, I'm in Al Zawari in Kabul. Yeah. The and head of, of Afghanistan it, ends up being right there. Right. If the leader of Al Qaeda feels comfortable enough to be in country, I think we probably have a problem with Al Qaeda in country. Yeah and, yeah. and the thing that's so maddening about this, and we never should lose sight of it because we lost 13 service mm-hmm. members as a result of this incompetency. But the thing that we should never lose sight of, in addition to that, is it was all super preventable, yeah. right? Because now we don't have, because there's no congressional oversight with Democrats, we don't have. The actual candid assessment the generals were making about the folly that would follow. But my guess is because you talked to like we talked to uh, Mike Waltz on the program. Uh, he was he's a congressman from Florida. And what he was saying a month beforehand is it's very obvious that that is uh, Afghanistan is going to fall in a hurry. The one thing you ought not to ever consider is giving up Bagram Air Force Base, because at that point, not only do you have a whole bunch of POW, like the absolute war criminals in housed at, at uh, Bagram. It's also the only place you can take off and land from that gives you a strategic advantage over China and everything else. And like immediately it's the first thing that they gave away, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened, what happened to the terrorists that were being housed at Bagram? They put on mm-hmm. a suicide vest and they are the ones from Bagram that set off a suicide bomb that killed the 13 Marines. All of this was information that was very, very easy to ascertain ahead of time. But remember, Joe Biden's only goal, his only goal was to make sure that he could celebrate the 20th anniversary of 9-11 by saying he was out of Afghanistan. It was a political goal. It had absolutely incredible consequences for our servicemen and women, for the people who were helping them in Afghanistan. And now the country is absolutely in flames. And we just gave away, gave away all kinds of progress that we had blood, sweat and tears to try to achieve over the last 20 years. So he got his photo op. We got 13 dead service personnel. We left a thousand Americans behind that we then had to spend the past year trying to find. Who knows how many more there are. The reports are that we estimate it's far greater than a thousand and folks are still trying to get out. On top of that, the latest reporting this month is that uh, we left the number is seven point one two billion in U.S. funded military equipment behind. That's from the Pentagon, their estimate, Uh, military aircraft, ground vehicles, weapons, other military equipment. Um, still there. And again, they think that's that's an understatement. Afghanistan, the latest report from the U.N. is in near collapse, that it's that the U.N. is warning pure catastrophe on the brink of pure catastrophe, massive hunger there. Only I think it was I want to get my number correct. I have it in front of me. Nearly half the country faces acute hunger. Forty three percent of their population is living on less than one meal a day. Women have been barred from virtually every job outside the home. They will let them clean the bathrooms, the female bathrooms of the Kabul government. Um, they can't, little girls can't go to school after grade six. Um, this is all, you know, contrary to assurances we got from 
Joe Biden about how everything was in in hand and this wasn't going to happen. And, you know, it was time to leave no matter what. And I realize that we're not the policemen of the world, but it's a disaster. And you point out the leader of Al Qaeda gets shot like he's walking around. It's like the Jersey Shore for him there after we were told that they would not be (laughs) housing Al Qaeda. Uh, Oh, it's just who is it? Oh, it's just the number one. It's just the number one guy of Al Qaeda. So that's Afghanistan right now. His roommate was a contributor to the New York Times. Yeah, the guy who owned the house wrote oh, yeah. this article in the New York Times Akani. about how like, hey, you listen to the Taliban, they're not that bad. <laughs> That's right. The New York Times is like, sounds great. We should absolutely put you in our paper. <laughs> um, I think it, it can't be overstated how much of a tragedy uh, this situation was. And it was under Joe Biden's watch. It was under his direction. Uh, the photo op he was concerned with was, was trying to spike the football. But then what the photo op he ended up getting is checking his watch when when you have dead service mm. members who gave their lives to this country mm-hmm. uh, because he made a lot of terrible decisions. Yeah. Well, it's also worth pointing out the vacuum that this left across the globe. Right. There was an immediate reaction from Vladimir Putin, an immediate reaction from Xi and an immediate reaction from Iran that concluded very quickly that this administration didn't have this shit together. Right. And then they could basically do whatever the hell they wanted without consequence for the first time in a very long time. And so you see quickly world events unfold. Ukraine, you have to ask a very serious question about whether that ever would have happened if we yeah. wouldn't have just embarrassed ourselves and demeaned the, the sacrifice of our soldiers in Afghanistan only a few months before, right? You got to imagine that China has a very different approach to Taiwan, knowing that you don't have Bagram Air Force Base off of your eastern Uh, part of your country or your Western part of your country any longer. And you now have strategic advantage and air power over all of that. Right. So all of this stuff is not done just in a a silo. Or or to add one more thing, you know, you got the old Obama bros and now, you know, the Biden folks trying to bring the band back together to reenter, you know, the Iran nuclear deal. And you got John Kerry there, you know, with doing his thing. You know, meanwhile, you've got uh, Iran trying to kill Mike Pompeo and John Bolton. Yeah. yeah. And and that's Salman Rushdie in the world again. And Salman I mean, Rushdie. That's, yeah. That's the Andy McCarthy. I love him. And he had a great piece at National Review the other day saying, you know, the reason Salman Rushdie got attacked, um, you know, very well-known author uh, is is because of that Iranian fatwa that had been placed on his head after he wrote Satanic Verses, which doesn't reflect so well on the Prophet Muhammad. And for a year, they killed like three of his translators or at least tried to kill three of his translators over the years. He's had this fatwa to try to kill him for many, many years. And he gets stabbed at this book event. And our response, and this is because of the fatwa, you know, I mean, that's like that's what's happened. And the, the response by the U.S. government is like, Mm, that's not right. That wasn't good. Anywho, um, look at our nuclear deal. We're going to make great progress. Like we've tied our own hands. Yeah, they're more concerned about getting a WNBA player out of jail in Russia, right? Than they are for retribution inside our borders. It's just, to me, it was a signal early on in this administration about how they were going to approach America's strength in the world, right? And those of us who grew up in a Reagan era you always felt like an American so much as gets a hangnail in another country, uh, our country is going to come figure that out for you, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. over time with the Obama administration and now with the Biden administration, you get the feeling that they're just like, let's just try to avoid all consequences, right? Let's not have any strategic advantage whatsoever anywhere else in the world. Everything is political. It has to be seen through a political lens. Assuming Democrats retain Congress, it was all worth it. Now, no one was fired in the wake of Afghanistan, not a single general. There was absolutely no accountability. 
And the same is true in our National Institute of Health and our CDC regime. Right. Anthony Fauci is still there. Um, did you guys hear the Fauci soundbite, by the way? I played this the other day. Did you did you hear him talking about himself and the, and the Fauci effect? Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my. Yes. I actually really would love to get your reaction. I freaking love this in case our audience missed this. It's well worth your time. We should play it every day. As a matter of fact, we have a team. Let's play it. It's called the Fauci effect, which is sort of like, you know, as trust me, I'm I, I don't get excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but I mean, it's it's I, I, people go to medical school. Now, people are interested in science, not because of me, because people, most people don't know me, who I am. My friends know me, my wife knows me, but people don't know me. It's what I symbolize. And what I symbolize in, a, in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies and, and all the things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th to everything else that goes on, people are craving for consistency, for integrity, for truth, and for people caring about people. Oh what God. an arrogant prick. Can you it's believe? unreal. I mean, the gall of him, the gall of him to be like, you know, uh, no one knows me, but of course the Fauci effect. Yes, well, consistency I am God, and I'm integrity. Not... That's definitely it's two in- things. Incredible That's why they're going to med school. They're going to med school because of my integrity and me standing for truth. No, they're not. No, they aren't. And if they are, I don't want those doctors. It's he's delusional. <laughs> this is the CDC that said, stop buying masks, then wear a mask. Then you know what? Wear two masks. Then you get the vaccine. You're never going to get covid. And then, well, you know, there might be some breakthrough cases. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, um, you know, this is a coronavirus like the flu is a coronavirus and we can't actually stop transmission whether you get this thing or not. You know, I mean, his organization, his organization was funding gain of function research on bat coronaviruses. And he lied about it under oath before Congress. He got caught and they and his group, the NIH and his subgroup of it was forced later to admit that they got caught in that lie. He lied about masks and PPE. He lied about herd immunity. Those are the ones that he's admitted lying to. We know about the other. He attacked the guys behind the Great Barrington uh, project who said, let's focus on the elderly and the most vulnerable and tried to besmirch them, smear them in the media as lunatics who were dangerous conspiracy theorists. We saw this behind scenes thanks thanks to FOIA documents. Uh, Meanwhile, that's exactly what we should have been doing. There's no accountability. And over at the CDC, as you point out, Michael, you got Rochelle Walensky, his partner in crime, who's saying, oh, you know, we've done an internal review, not an external. review. We've done an internal review, basically. And here's what we've concluded. We've been too scholarly. We've been focused too much on article writing and we really need to do better because that's not what the American people need. Just a list. The Reason Magazine put together a few of the highlights that you just hit. Um, Obviously, they oversold the benefits of masking with absolutely no randomized control trials that would support it. In fact, to the contrary, the one study they did about masking in in schools studied 90,000 children in Georgia and proved that, that they do nothing as my second grade student told his teacher when she tried to mask him at one point this year. Uh, they instituted the travel ban on South Africa after the documents there. The doctors there said, hey, yo, we're seeing this Omicron. Put that in place, you know, sort of chilling anybody from raising it. They um, there was never quick approval of new testing, which led to long lines around the block from people who actually did need to 
test or like to go to school, to go to work, which was nonsense too. longest school closures in the world, in America, in the United States of America. The damage that causes uncalculable. That's because of the CDC, their alliance with the teachers union. Absolutely disgusting. Randy Weingarten was calling the shots, not that lunatic Rochelle Walensky, who was blubbering on camera for half of her tenure, talking about how scared she is, that's scared, trying to create a national panic. They ignored natural immunity. Thousands of people have been fired, lost their jobs in the healthcare industry, including in public service uh, professions like cops, because of her, because of the CDC. It doesn't have shit to do with being too scholarly. Yeah, oh, right. thank yeah. you. Yes. God yeah. bless it. Everybody in America should hear what you just had to say. It's 100 <laughs> percent true. Right. But it's not even stopping yet. I mean, we I, again, we talk to people who are really concerned that reserves, National Guard reserves have this ma- vac still have a vaccine mandate yes. and they're going to they're yes. not going to actually be able to respond to national disasters and things like natural disasters and things like that. Because of the vaccine mandate that still exists, despite all evidence that it doesn't do a goddamn thing. Right. I mean, this is it. How about another couple Fauci uh, uh, phrases? 14 days to slow the spread. How'd that work out? That go pretty well. Right. Trigger. How about trigger a a pandemic of the unvaccinated? Yeah. How about that one? Did that one work? Mm -hmm. Was that was that right, Mr. Fauci? All of it is complete and utter bullshit. But the thing that galls me most is what you just hit. What it did to children across this country and that it it may have set a generation back irreparably, not just from an educational standpoint, but from a social standpoint. It may have changed the very fabric of our culture. And this asshole. He's sitting there in that overstuffed leather chair in his suit, (sighs) his comfortable life, telling telling people, well, you know, there's just so much misinformation out there. Like, give me a fucking break. Oh, it's it's just from you know, you shut down businesses, you shut down schools for years. Yeah. I mean, people are angry about that, Anthony. Like, you're responsible and you lied and lied and lied. And don't forget, he funded a study that killed a bunch of beagles. I mean, yeah. Michael, Michael Vick <laughs> lost his job for less. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Well, you know, the, one of the things that bothers me <laughs> is that the Democrats are quick to, to point out that some of the Capitol Hill police officers wound up taking their own lives, died by suicide is how you're supposed to say it now, um, after the January 6th riot. And that is unfortunate. And law enforcement does have a a disproportionate rate of taking their own lives because of the nature of their very difficult job. Um, But that they want to pin squarely on Trump, right? They want to pin that directly on Trump for encouraging the January 6th rally, which of course turned into a riot and so on. But what about the thousands, thousands of unnecessarily dead people who have lost their lives thanks to drug overdoses, thanks to suicides, thanks to alcoholism as a direct result of these unnecessary lockdowns for which Anthony Fauci has taken zero responsibility. Instead, he wants to talk about fake news medical students going to school because of the alleged Fauci effect of truth and integrity. My ass bull. What you just described is the real Fauci effect. In his mind, he thinks it's one thing. But to everybody else in this country who lost their jobs, who built a small business that was closed down, who sent their kids to school, then were told, oh, no, no school. And their kids are set back. That's the real Fauci effect. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the media uh, and the teachers unions are now retconning this whole thing and saying, oh, you know, I mean, we. We're never really for all these school closures. As quickly as possible. You know, we learned a lot of lessons. We should never do that again. I guess we'll move on. And people need to be held accountable for this. And and not to mention the societal effect writ large, right? Even if you back it off of schools and everything else. I mean, what happened to most people who were 
actually following Fauci's advice is that their their circles of influence and their information flow shrank and shrank and shrank and shrank, right? To the extent that you have a problem with extremism in this country, to the extent that you are concerned of people with fake news or or narratives that don't exist, both on the left and the right, that is a very seminal moment where an awful lot of that stuff began to spread across this country because of those information flow and their inability to interact with people outside of their very small circle, right? Mm -hmm. So it extends so far beyond in our society. We're going to be dealing with this for decades. It's a complete breakdown of trust in in institutions. And I think, yeah, like you said, I mean, we're going to, the ramifications of this are going to last a long time. Meanwhile, um, just FYI, it's not over there. The, the terror that they impose on the nation is not over. In Philly, three to five year olds are going to be masked for the upcoming upcoming school years. Three year olds are going to have to. Oh, are my you God. kidding me? Kids in New York publics. Um, Jennifer Say, uh, formerly of Levi's, is pointing this out on Twitter. Uh, kids in New York publics not, who are unvaccinated can't do any sports. My own school still has a, a mandatory vaccine requirement for all the children who are 16 and up. Thank God my kids aren't there yet. But you you will be expelled from my kid's school if you don't get the vaccine, if you are 16 years. It's absurd. Those vaccines don't even cover Omicron. And kids who get COVID are at next to zero risk of dying from COVID. The health risks should be something between a parent and the pediatrician and not for this. The school has nothing to do about it. The school has to worry about transmission and the vaccines don't stop transmission at all of Omicron. In L.A., they're considering masking the littles again. Rutgers University, all these colleges, masks in all classrooms required. Stanford, supposed to be the smartest people in the world, masks in all classes required. So the regime of terror continues, even though the CDC last week quietly put out guidance saying, if you have natural immunity, you should be treated the same as if you're vaccinated. And it's kind of there's no difference, <laughs> which which Europe no has done for for over a year. And yes. we were the slowest to come come around on natural immunity. It's it's like you're saying, Megan, it's like, the you know, what they did to our economy in, in, in the United States is worse than anywhere else in the world. The, the natural immunity is another perfect example of that. And if you're just talking about vaccinating children for a second. Right. I mean, I don't care if you're pro-vax or anti-vax, whatever. It should give you some pause when you're thinking about your children, about anything you're injecting into their arm that has less than one year of a trial, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't know. And like, you can trust the science. You can, I mean, with the evidence that you just laid out, very tough to trust almost anything. But if you're thinking about just this in terms of this vaccine, boy, oh boy, it has zero, zero body of work over a period of years that would demonstrate that there are no ill health effects. Now, I'm not discouraging people from doing it. I'm just saying, like, after all the shit that has been absolutely untrue. No, that is why. Pause and think about it. And the only 31 percent of parents of the the young ones, the kids under 12, have gotten the vax. I mean, parents are saying no to this. Go ahead, Smoke. No, the way the medical industry was telling us, trust the science. But then there's a summer of rights and they're like, well, actually, you know, you can go out and riot. That's okay for your health. Yeah. Or or go to the RBG funeral. RBG is also a a little known exception to the COVID transmission. All right, listen, I have to I I have to end it on a fun note, okay? because we we just have to. We did Afghanistan. We did COVID. We got got our tempers flaring. But we've got to talk about Keith Olbermann, who apparently has a podcast out that sounds almost identical to his old MSNBC show. Now, I (laughs) you will not be surprised to learn. Do not listen to Keith Olbermann. But a friend of mine said, you got to listen to the last 10 minutes 
of his Tuesday podcast. I'm like, I do. Why would I have to do that? Well, I did listen. And my friend was not wrong. It was highly entertaining. And it was basically him single handedly trying to take down Rachel Maddow, Alex Wagner, who's now taking over for Rachel Maddow four days a week, his old bosses at MSNBC, uh, basically the entire network and and also arguing that MSNBC is not liberal enough. Here's just a sampling of what he had to say. It's a little long. So listen. Tonight, Maddow officially switches to a once-a-week format which has never worked once at a cable news network in the history of the United States of America. And in her time slot, from Tuesday through Friday every week, will be Alex Wagner. Alex Wagner could not read the teleprompter. When Stockwell and I lit upon the idea that Alex Wagner might become the next great guest host of Countdown and maybe someday, like the others host her own MSNBC show spun off from ours. We invited her up for an audition and a meet and greet, and Stockwell handled the audition, and he came back to me that night crestfallen. It wasn't only that Alex Wagner could not read the teleprompter. Stockwell said, I told her we can teach her the teleprompter. She could become as good as Matto in 30 minutes, and she said, nah, how, how hard could it be? I'll pick it up. Anyway, I got to go to a dinner party. I had this silly idea that if we could have somebody other than a white guy filling in for a white guy every night, this would be good. It had been a little part of my thinking with hiring Rachel Maddow. I do hope my doubts are utterly without foundation and that as soon as possible, I will have to write and read one of these apologizing to Alex Wagner and to MSNBC. Because when I started the process of turning MSNBC from the industry joke to the first and so far only even kind of liberal TV news network, I did so because I believed and still believe that America needs a kind of liberal TV news network. I have nothing but admiration for what Rachel did with the opportunity I forced them to give her. Her success is entirely her work. My part of that ended the day they gave her the show. But I have to confess that ever since the night when David K. Johnston produced one utterly meaningless page of Donald Trump's tax returns that somebody had anonymously sent him and Rachel hyped the damn thing for 45 minutes like it was the secret to eternal life, I have wondered if I did not do too good a job. The entire morning of MSNBC's programming features and is ruled with an iron fist by one of the worst human beings I have ever met. The man who every day in 2015 and the start of 2016 tried to mainstream Donald Trump to the MSNBC audience and only stopped when he realized that Trump was not going to offer him the vice presidency, Joey Scars himself. Joe Scarborough. MSNBC as a vibrant liberal force in this country is absolutely essential. It may not be enough to stave off fascism, but at least we gave it a try. And so... I hope I am as wrong about Alex Wagner's debut tonight as the president of MSNBC was when I first went to him in the summer of 2007 with the idea of a Rachel Maddow show. And he, Phil Griffin, rejected it because he couldn't understand why straight men like him would watch a lesbian woman do political commentary. I like to think he figured out how that would happen because somehow he has wound up as the president of Rachel's production company. Anyway, good luck, Alex Wagner. Oh, man. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. He just unloads the drawer, doesn't he?
He is to MSNBC what Felicia Sanmez was to The Washington Post. (laughs) It's great. I I do love that he's also, you know, made himself the hero of this story. Yeah, of course. Uh, Can I just show you like a quick epilogue? I know you guys got to go, but you have to see this. Alex Wagner did have her debut on Tuesday night. And can I show you what happened? Watch. Oh, no. Oh, no. Watch. Tonight, the FBI warrant used to search Mar-a-Lago is unsealed. The three potential crimes laid out in that document. We'll dive into what it means and what could happen with one of the Wall Street (laughs) Journal reporters who was first to report on the contents of that warrant. Hands up in the air. Then we'll... (laughs) Ah! Oh, my God. Hands again. Then we'll talk with... (laughs) We're going to go right... We are actually going to go right to the top story. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh. First of all, if she could lean any further over the desk, her nose would have been touching the lens of the camera. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden, disaster strikes. That's amazing. Oh my God. Oh. He was right. I got to hand it to him. Oberman was right. Oh, it might be the only thing he's ever been right about. In the head, since, Here's since the thing. Center, anyway. They oh later said, oh, there were gremlins, TV gremlins, like the prompter wasn't working. You know what, Alex? That's why you practice. That's why you practice the <laughs> prompter because it does go down. And in the best news anchors would never let the audience see it. <laughs> Occasionally live television, there are things, right? Yeah. Deer, deer in the headlights, look. Amazing. Oh, what a moment. <laughs> what, I'll leave you with that, just that thought bubble. What if Olbermann is right <laughs> ponder on that until the, ne- the next time <laughs> ruthless thank you guys it's always a pleasure thank you're you the so best Megan. <laughs> all right see you soon my team has told me during the break that there's breaking news they said don't look at your phone we're gonna let steve Krakauer, my ep break it to you and uh i don't know there's a reason they didn't want me to know what it was before he came back on the air so what is it steve Yes, yes, Megan. This this broke literally as you were saying goodbye to the ruthless guys, although I'm sure they will enjoy hearing this as well. Uh, it was broken in several places, but confirmed now uh, by a network spokesperson. CNN will end its Reliable Sources program this Sunday. As a result, Brian Stelter will leave the company. No way. Oh, well, I mean, we we kind of knew, right? We knew that was going to happen. You you. Uh, I have another job as a media critic and commentator, and you'd been predicting this for a while. It was you, you think about what does old Jeff Zucker era CNN look like, and you think of people like Jim Acosta, maybe Don Lemon, maybe even Chris Cuomo, who's now gone, and Brian Stelter. I mean, those are the names. And if Chris Licht is going to make his mark, uh, that does seem, I guess, like a logical place to start. Um, But Mm -hmm. Brian Stelter gone as of this Sunday, including apparently the program reliable sources also ending uh, as well, although maybe that'll restart with someone new. That that program name is just like the Inflation Reduction Act. It's the same thing. It's got the same problems. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's true. Yes. Uh, yeah. But well, seriously, Steve, he I mean, had to go. He yeah. went so hard partisan, rabid. I mean, he was hard, rabidly partisan and he showed it every day on the air. And it is the exact same thing. He's the morning time lemon. I mean, complete Trump derangement syndrome. Absolutely no objectivity. Hates the right half of the country and wasn't afraid to show it. So how could they possibly keep him given the new? Edict? Yeah, it's hard. You know, I mean, he he wrote a book called Hoax about Fox and then, uh, you know, a follow up with it. I mean, the, the whole brand became 
essentially a check on right-wing media. And in fact, I don't even want to name the, the JV squad that he's got on him, his team, but there's other people in that media department as well who are even worse, I would say, and who literally, the only thing they do is watch Fox News and write about it. That's what you call CNN's media uh, you know, mm-hmm. reporting. I think it's really terrible. And it's, I, I would imagine this is probably just the first of many shoes to drop on that front. Honestly, like until they get rid of Don Lemon, I believe nothing. I really don't. I don't believe you cannot keep this person who purports to be a straight news anchor in that role and call yourself a news organization. Let's put your money where your mouth is. Let's see you do that. You know, it was interesting. Don Lemon was on Charlemagne's uh, Comedy Central show and essentially put down a challenge to his bosses and said, what I do is objective reporting. And if you're going to tell me I can't do what I'm doing, well, then I don't belong here. I mean, he he actually said that. So uh, I would say I I would guess that he's probably on his way out also. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm black and I'm gay. Remember, that was that's what he said the first night that the new management took over. And he was like, I'm black and I'm gay. Jeff Zucker yes. put me on the air. Don't don't forget. Most importantly, I mean, it's like, OK, we'll see if that will save you. Um, very interesting news. Brian Stelter out at CNN. Oh, I can't. I wish we had gotten to run that by our, our pals at Ruthless. I'm sure they would have <laughs> they would have had some fun with that one. Hey, yes. call me, though. Oh, All of you can call me with. Uh, I don't know my number when they don't put it in the prompter. It's like. What's my number, Steve? 83344Megan. Eventually, I'll get like Dr. Delora and I'll have it memorized. 83344Megan, but it's M-E-G-Y-N. Don't forget that M-E-G-Y-N because my mom did not know how to spell. What do you think about the ouster of Brian Stelter? All right, let's get to some of our callers who are are calling in right now. Let's go to Iowa. I love it when I have listeners and viewers in Iowa. That's where my imaginary viewer Madge is. But this is Dale may know my imaginary viewer, Madge. Dale, what's on your mind this afternoon? I'm no imaginary viewer, but it's the, <laughs> it's the week of the Iowa State Fair. We love you out here because you tell the truth. Because farmers you. out here, they can sense shit whenever it's out there, so you don't step in it. <laughs> I'm calling you point. that I wonder, and, you, and you're the attorney here from the strategy, but do you think, and this is just my worldview, that the Trump team, his legal team knows that that affidavit's probably not going to get opened up. So they go on the offense. They basically say, we want it released. We want it released, knowing that it won't happen. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't happen, they can come out and continue to say, see, they're hiding something. They won't get this out. Granted, we're going to get the drip, drip, drip. That's and someone else I love, Dana Perino. I watch her every night. She's like, that'll continue to come out. But at least this way, and again, from my perspective, Trump is able to say, go ahead. We don't care. Open it up. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's exactly right. They know that this judge is not going to release the affidavit. Not yet. He's going to be deferential to the government at this point in the case that that would be consistent with the way it's normally handled for people who are going to freak out. They won't release it. That would be normal for him to say, no, I'm not releasing it yet. At some point, it needs to be released. You know, I was listening to my pal Alan Dershowitz the other day saying, you know, they objected to releasing uh, the full Pentagon papers, too. And uh, we eventually saw all saw all those and helped lead to the end of the Vietnam War. Like we we need we have a right to know why they breached these norms in such an extraordinary fashion and what our DOJ is up to. Unfortunately, if they don't actually indict him, the normal procedure would be we don't get to see the affidavit. So we we need to see it like Merrick Garland does need to be totally transparent with us. 
and not with a ton of redactions. You know, yes, sources and methods. Yes, things that would compromise national security. But this judge needs to have an in-camera hearing where it's just him and the government, no Trump people. And that's okay to do when you're assessing something like this and figure out for the American public what's okay to see and what's not. I do worry because he does seem kind of partisan. This judge recused himself from another case involving Trump not long ago. So why why is he okay hearing this one? I don't know. Uh, the burden on, is on him to be extraordinarily fair, to bend over backwards to be fair. Uh, and I, like you, want to see what's in there. And I think Trump, yeah, he's playing it smart. He is in a PR war. They started it and he's playing it and he's playing it wisely. Um, but yeah, we all know what's going to happen today. Dale, enjoy the fair. Oh, it's always a it's always a pork fest. And oh, by the <laughs> way, I've been watching that pictures of your Stradwick. Oh, my God. That is good trouble right there. Look, <laughs> and I like the, the luck- partner Thunders looking at it like, oh, yeah, we, we had an English do. lab. This time we went Golden Retriever, a little bit calmer. He is lucky he's so cute, Dale. That's all I have to say. Thanks for calling <laughs> in. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, Vicki in North Carolina. Vicki, what's on your mind? Hi there. It's a pleasure to talk with you. I listen to you every day and I learn something new every day. So thank you. Um, I guess my biggest concern, of course, obviously the direction our country is going in. I feel like I'm sitting back watching a dumpster fire and there's not one person willing to step up that we've elected to do anything about it. Oh, you, you don't see Liz Cheney? I mean, Abraham Lincoln as that as that person? <laughs> that was just appalling. But um, I think the thing that caught my attention most lately was at least Greg Abbott has the wherewithal to put these immigrants on buses and ship them to the people yeah. who are talking that we should be doing this. And, mm-hmm. you know, my son is a former deputy sheriff who worked closely with the border in New Mexico. And I just don't think they'll understand or have even a glimpse of the appalling atrocities that are happening. It's so easy for people sitting in New York to say, oh, we're a nation of immigrants. But, you know, we didn't get to it today because we had so much else to go over with the guys. But there's there's video just posted today uh, from Fox News showing them opening up this gate down at the border and just letting these migrants come through. And now, listen, they're defending it by saying normally that door is open. And so we were just sort of restoring it to what it normally is. But like because the Texas, I guess, National Guard is the ones who shut it. And so the Border Patrol is like, no, that normally right. stays open. Well, why is it open? Why? Right. Like that's why? that begs the exactly. question. So I commend Greg Abbott for at least taking some initiative to make a difference. Um, like I said, nobody has a clue what is happening down there. And- I have to say I like Greg Abbott. I'm I'm surprised whenever he falls in the polls or he gets like a you know, he almost gets ousted. I'm like, what more would you have the guy do? He's done a lot of like, you know, I don't know. He, everything I see coming out of Texas, I'm like, yeah, right on, Greg. But uh, somehow he's not totally beloved by the Texans. We'll see. Listen, Vicki, thank you for the call and all the best in North Carolina. Let's go further west, farther west out in California. And Richard, who's got some thoughts. Hey, Richard. Megan, I, hey, thank you for taking my call. Really uh, love your show. appreciate all you do. I, I'm out here in uh, Los Angeles, California. I have completely given up on this disaster out here. Uh, I need your opinion on, obviously, the current administration is a disaster. Trump looks like he, you know, it'd be such a better option, but he's so toxic, he's like poison, that I'm so concerned if he did get reelected, it would create 
a civil war, especially in places where I live in the bluest of blue, mm-hmm. that it's time for guys like, and this is what my concern is. You hear Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Larry Elder, Leo Terrell. Look, I love all those guys, but they are all about him. Why don't they see what I'm saying right now and sit down with him, say, look, let's get behind DeSantis. If you, as much as we love you and you do good, you're going to create, I'm, I'm not kidding, in Los Angeles, I think I'd have to board up my business if he got reelected. As much yeah, as I, I love I the guy, I know, he's an, I know he goes nuts. I know on the Twitter, you and I are mature enough to get over that, but probably 60% of the country is going to lose their mind. Why, why can't those guys, why doesn't Sean Hannity see this and say, you know what, Trump, we love you, or, you know, all these guys I just mentioned, and sit down and say, look at what could happen. Let's get behind DeSantis. Be part, but then... It's just assuming a level of persuasion over Trump that doesn't exist. They tried, you know, we know from the January 6th committee um, that they tried to get him to stop the January 6th riot before, well, before he did, that they begged him to stand off of the stolen election uh, claims, which, of course, he did not. Um, His family did, too. Ivanka, Hannity, all these guys. You know, Trump, if we know one thing about him is he's stubborn. He's much more of a bull. And... um, you just can't. There's only so much controlling you can do of a bull when he wants to buck and buck and buck and break all the China. And look what happened in Georgia. You know, half the party went to him and said, don't don't yeah. mess up Georgia. We're going to lose con- control of the Senate and your legacy is going to get erased bit by bit. Didn't care. You know, it's just how concerned are you? Built. Do you really think if he does get elected? What I mean, do you see like Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, these cities, like these crazy where I live? Do you see it going just complete haywire if he gets reelected? I do. I, I, you know, I don't want to say that that's a reason not to elect him, you know, because threats of violence or breaking the law shouldn't, shouldn't be a reason not to elect somebody that you want. Right. It's like, that's extortion. But honestly, like my prediction as a news anchor is, yeah, I I think all hell will break loose if he gets reelected. And I don't think the Democrats are going to comply with the rule of law I, in many ways. I don't think they'll comply with Trump policies second term or a Trump Supreme oh. Court edict. I just I have very deep concerns about where we'll go if he gets reelected. Richard, thank you for raising the concerns here because I, you know, we'll cross that bridge. But yeah, I, I got I got my own concerns. Let's stay in. Uh, well, let's go to North Carolina, actually, when, where Rob's got thoughts on what what's what's on your mind today, Rob. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. What's up? Good. I, I just, I, I did think that there was one person that's probably very sad about Brian Stelter being fired, and that would be Greg Gutfeld, because Gutfeld, <laughs> is, he is his whipping boy. <laughs> I, I think Greg is probably sitting at home going, damn, what do I do now? <laughs> my my husband and I were just having this debate last night about, we, we love Tucker, and he's a personal friend, and Doug was like, you know, Tucker's never mean. And I was like, well, <laughs> and I love him. <laughs> like He does call Brian Stelter a eunuch. That's a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, it's because Brian Stelter gives as good as he gets. And only oh, he tries to do it with like the, dignity I, under the uh, auspices. I, I won't, say what I, I won't yeah. say what I think of him. But I do. Yeah. On the other note that you were talking about with with Trump, I am a big DeSantis fan. Th- don't get me wrong. I love Trump, but I do see what you see coming if he is reelected. And I think DeSantis, uh, although the left may hate him, 
they hate him less than they hate Trump. And I don't yeah. think they'll be as big a civil polarization if DeSantis is elected. They may not like what he does, but you know, I don't think they're going to go as apoplectic as they would if Trump is elected again. I think that's right. Donald Trump has a singular you know, he's a singular figure in their mind is truly bad. Like go back to the Sam Harris clip. They won't be doing that about Ron DeSantis. It will be political arguing and fights, but it won't. I just don't see the left tolerating a second Trump term. And I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I just listen to their rhetoric. And as Glenn Beck always says, when he says why well, he's been right on so many of his predictions, I just believe them. I just, I'm listening to them and I believe them. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be a very rocky presidential election year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. It's been a pleasure of a two hours today. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.